Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. China is a country where to challenge the powerful Communist Party carries considerable risks. The party operates an advanced surveillance network which maintains strict control over all forms of information, and its agents keep a particularly close watch over what's discussed on websites and social media. Those who step out of line with their comments on politics face being detained. There are frequent reports of politically motivated arrests and state-sanctioned disappearances. These include disturbing testimonies from people who say that they've been held in a system of so-called black jails, secret prisons in which inmates are cut off from all contact with the outside world. My guest today on the podcast is Michael Castor, the co-founder of Safeguard Defenders, the human rights group which has made a detailed study of the way political dissidents are treated by the authorities in China. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Duncan. It's a pleasure to be here and looking forward to our conversation. I want to discuss these black jails or secret prisons with you, but let me start by asking you this. If they're secret, how do you know what's happening there? You know, black jails are called black jails because they exist in a black space. They're outside of any legal or procedural safeguards that are designed to protect detainees from abuse, but abuse is rife. Torture is rife. Uh, their location may not be publicly disclosed, but from speaking with former detainees from their testimony, we are able to pinpoint many of their locations and we know what happens inside of them. Um, you know, years ago, they were extrajudicial, they were ad hoc. And really quite alarmingly, what we have seen in the last few years is China working to systematize them, to take these formerly extrajudicial systems of arbitrary and secret detention and write them into domestic legislation. But the way that they exist, uh, the treatment that people are subjected to inside of them is against any international notion of the rule of law and clearly designed to strip them of their rights, to abuse them, to break them down and really to uh, execute the uh, power of the authorities in a truly uh, totalitarian way. There's a piece of jargon which I'd like you to explain, please. Uh, the term used for a black jail is an RSDL, which stands for Residential Surveillance at Designated Locations. What does that mean? So a black jail is really any form of arbitrary, secret uh, detention facility. Again, really something that exists outside of procedural safeguards. RSDL is an acronym for residential surveillance at a designated location, which refers really to one specific type of custodial mechanism in China. It was uh, created basically in 2013 with a revision to the criminal procedure law, which was then amended in 2018. It exists at Article uh, 72. Basically what RSDL is, is it is an effort by the state to give the police the authority to take someone, to hold them in a secret location for up to six months, denied access to family, denied access to lawyers. Um, it places them in a particularly vulnerable uh, situation. Um, you know, RSDL is a metaphor for an enforced disappearance, which is defined under international law as the taking of someone by an agent of the state and then holding them in a location where their fate or whereabouts is unknown, basically a secret detention. Um, you know, an enforced disappearance is a gross human rights abuse and it's a crime under international law. 
But you know, thinking of these forms of, of secret detention in China, different types of black jails, there's actually a number of them. There's also a system called Liojur under the national supervision law, which likewise gives the police similar ability to hold someone in secret for up to six months. And there's a number of other sort of tools and tactics that the police have used to hold people in secret locations, making it harder for them to have access to family or to lawyers or really to defend their rights in other ways. So we see again, this is a systematic way in which China has sort of perfected governance through disappearance. So are people who've been critics of the Chinese government treated differently to other people in prison? Can you tell us something about how to compare the experiences of political prisoners with those of people who've been convicted of a crime? Across the board, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, in China there is really no such thing as an expectation for a right to a fair trial. Um, you know, these fundamental and international standards just don't exist. If you're an international movie star like Fan Bingbing, or you're the former head of Interpol and a vice minister of the Ministry of Public Security like Meng Hongwei, or you're a locally renowned human rights lawyer, no one is above the fear or the potential of being disappeared, of being subjected to some form of arbitrary and secret detention. So these abuses can touch anyone in China. You know, if you're a dissident, you're a human rights defender, or you're a member of the party. And furthermore, it's not just Chinese citizens. We've also seen this type of abusive practice happening to non-Chinese citizens. Canadians, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor spent over a thousand days arbitrarily detained, months and months of that held incommunicado without access even to Canadian uh, diplomatic officials. And that's also a violation of the China-Canada consular agreement. It's a breach of the Vienna Convention on Consular Relations. And we've seen China subject other citizens from Sweden, the US, uh, Australia, and others to the same type of really abusive treatment. And I've been reading through some of the reports that have been put together by your organization, Safeguard Defenders, and I'm disturbed about what you say about the way in which people were arrested. Um, in one report, you quote a person called Li Kachu, who said that when he was detained, a group of people none of whom were wearing police uniforms, put a hood over his head and pushed him into a car. He says, I was so terrified that my legs were trembling and my mind went blank. How often are you hearing reports of this type? You know, when the police come for you, they come in many ways. Uh, sometimes they might come in the middle of the night with the power drill to break down your door by unbolting the screws from your doorknob. Uh, sometimes they'll come in the early morning and grab you while you're taking your child to school. Um, you know, sometimes they come with cameras uh, already scripting what they plan to later be broadcast as a forced confession. Um, you know, black hoods are a common tool of the police. Uh, we see pictures of this in domestic takings, but perhaps more uh, recognizable to international audiences is when China has exceeded its borders to engage in involuntary returns, abductions of targets in foreign countries through various systems of transnational repression, such as Operation Fox Hunt. Um, you know, the Black Hood that you ask about in particular is synonymous with totalitarian police states, and China has really adopted this symbol with gusto. Of course, the black hood, the image of someone being black hooded and thrown into a van or taken away to an undisclosed location, um, you know, it's scary. It's a very scary image. 
Um, and this fear is part of the authoritarian logic um, that China has really been perfecting. So how many political dissidents are being detained in China? Are we talking thousands, tens of thousands? Um, Safeguard Defenders has been documenting this pretty systematically for, for several years now. Um, you know, our estimates are based on a number of different types of detention facility and drawn from different sources of information. If we take just RSDL, which is again, just one type under the criminal procedure law, um, you know, not to mention other forms of detention. Uh, we estimate that since 2013, when this system was imposed until 2020, between 26 and 57,000 people have passed through RSDL facilities. Now, I'll give you one other example. Uh, Leoger, all, a similar system held under the national supervision law uh, introduced in 2018. Since then, we estimate 16,000, 17,000 people have passed through the Leoger system. So just with these two, we're looking at easily tens and tens of thousands of individuals who have been held arbitrarily, lengthy periods in secret. And of course, this doesn't even come close to the million plus Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities in Xinjiang who have been forced into internment camps. This scale of incarceration without rights where abuse is common, the scale in China is shocking. And it's probably much worse than these numbers because China refuses to grant access to independent researchers. Now, I can imagine that some people hearing this podcast, listening to your American accent, they're going to say this is all a form of propaganda against the Chinese Communist Party, and it's associated with the US government. I think they're going to accuse you of exaggerating this for political reasons. Look, China's abusing its entire population through a range of human rights abuses. This is political. Um, this is political violence perpetrated by the party onto its population. Uh, you know, China is claiming that those who seek to stand in solidarity with its population, like the international human rights community, which has done so uh, to defend the rights of Chinese people, those who have worked diligently to expose the human rights abuses of the government, the scale of its atrocities, are engaged in some kind of political mission. Uh, but this is just gaslighting. Um, I've also campaigned against rights abuses perpetrated by the US government and other governments. I'm a human rights advocate first and foremost. My concern is with the universality of human rights and not with politics. I noticed that you've been targeted by the Chinese state media. I found a video on the website of Global Times. That's a very loyal voice of the Chinese Communist Party, which said that Safeguard Defenders is lying through its teeth and that your reports are just an old-fashioned way of demonizing China. How did you feel when you saw that? You know, any criminal will lie to deflect or hide their crimes, right? Um, they don't want to be caught. And, you know, make no mistake, what China is doing is not merely about human rights abuses, which are abhorrent. We're also talking about violations of international criminal law, um, you know, crimes against humanity, acts of genocide. Uh, the widespread and systematic uh, use of enforced disappearances or torture can rise to the level of crimes against humanity, um, not to mention you know, the atrocity crimes being committed in, in Xinjiang. So this is the behavior of a criminal which sees itself being caught in its crimes and called out for that, clearly deflecting, lying and deflecting from that. Um, you know, China's waged a sophisticated disinformation and distraction campaign around the world. It's spent money on influencers, it's manipulated international media, it's intimidated and threatened independent voices. And these are serious concerns. 
Through economic and political leverage, China has bullied international actors into denying reality and to try and defend China's atrocious behavior. These are the facts. But you know, what else are facts? Well, we know the information that we've documented that Safeguard Defenders has worked to prove the scale of these different forms of arbitrary and secret detention. Um, you know, why do we know the scale of internment in Xinjiang? Uh, you know, this comes from official Chinese government documents. So much of this material is direct from the lion's mouth. The work that we have done to show the scale of detention, largely drawn from official Supreme Court database sources. China itself has shown in these cases when the use of RSDL was employed and from their records, we have drawn the scale from direct testimony of victim after victim after victim. We have uh, pieced together what happens in these facilities. China can call us liars, but all we're doing is basing our reports on official documents from the government itself. And this, there's no way for them to escape. The United States and some other countries refused to send government representatives to the recent Olympic Games in Beijing, the Winter Olympics, as a protest over human rights. How does China view these kind of gestures? You know, Duncan, um, China sees the games as inherently political. Um, you know, and indeed they are. The idea that the Olympics can be apolitical is, is just specious. Um, you know, for China, it's an important part of its propagandizing mission. Any blemish on its narrative, of course, will be noticed. Um, you know, we could say much more about the Olympics, but, you know, suffice it to say, China should never have been allowed to host the Games. When it was granted this right in 2015, it was a shock to many of us who have spent a long time documenting human rights abuses in China. And since then, is only, it has only gotten worse consistently, year on, year out. It's a shame on the IOC. And it's a shame on those who have sought to profit from the games. The fact that China was awarded in the first place and the fact that it was not stripped of its hosting rights really is also an indictment against what the games have become. You know, I think that you know, it's important to look at the political gesture, the symbolic gesture that some governments have taken in the form of diplomatic boycotts um, and other efforts, but boycotting alone is not enough. You know, to confront China, its awesome power now, economic, political might, and so forth, to confront its atrocities both domestically and where it has sought to manipulate international norms, I think what we really need to see is a renewed international coalition, a BDS movement, boycott, divestment, and sanction, similar to that which was mobilized years ago to bring down apartheid South Africa. International coalition is what we need to stand against China's human rights abuses, um, because if single actors work alone, they're more vulnerable. We need coalitions, we need coordination, and we need to have more documentation, more speaking truth to power, because what's happening in China is not only terrifying, it's spreading and it's time to stop the spread. Michael, thank you for drawing our attention to this issue. I sense that you and your team have approached it very courageously. That was Michael Castor from Safeguard Defenders on the line from Asia. This podcast is made by the SOAS China Institute, part of the University of London. There are details of our courses and events on our web pages, soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here on the China in Context podcast team.